Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Coming up today, we'll talk about the Matthew Kachuk blockbuster trade. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco along with Chris Golick. And you can catch us on Locked On VGK on Twitter and on YouTube. I am at Tony Dasco. He is at TD Chris G. And I hope that you had a great weekend, Chris. You know, on Friday, we celebrated episode number 400 of Locked On VGK. And now for this year, big news, we have more than 50,000 downloads on Lockdown Golden Knights. And we thank you all for making this your first listen each and every day. I uh, want to start off today, Chris, with the blockbuster trade that happened late Friday night. Uh, the free agent, Matthew Kachuk, he uh, goes to the team that won the President's Cup, this uh, the President's Trophy this past season in Florida in exchange for Jonathan Huberdeau. Uh, you had defenseman Mackenzie Weger, uh, prospect Cole Schwint, and a 2025 conditional first-round pick. And I feel as though I think Calgary won the trade. Yeah, I, I do agree with you on that, uh, given everything that happened. I mean, Kachuk was walking – at the end of the season, we know that much. That was very clear the second that uh, Johnny Goudreau uh, was basically uh, unable to come to terms, I guess is the easiest way to state a very complicated situation up north right now. But yeah, all the the, the draft picks, the prospects, uh, the $9 million off the books now. Um, I, I'm having a hard time seeing Florida's angle in this. I mean, maybe uh, Florida's success last year was unsustainable. Maybe uh, McCrimmon was giving some advice down there. I don't know. You love that word. <laughs> oh, I do. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. Um, <laughs> but I don't understand what Florida is after in this case, right? I mean, you look at what happened. Quinville is out as the coach early on. Andrew Burnett has a good regular season team with good regular season success. He's just not the type of coach to take you through the playoffs, you go and get the coach that's going to take you through the playoffs, hopefully, in Paul Maurice, right? That's why you bring him in there. And then all of a sudden, now you're basically swapping two big superstars plus a piece of the future. Like, that's that's the head-scratcher. But Calgary, yeah, they can be uh, – it's a very interesting move on their part. And we'll see what the long-term effect is. Does Huberto get moved again around the trade deadline? Uh, that's a question that I wonder. I don't see how Huberto fits in long-term, especially with uh, – with uh, Goudreau not being in there anymore. So it's going to be a very interesting, and I, I keep mentioning this on my personal social medias and stuff. If you think the off season with the draft, with the free agents and with the trades has been interesting, I think the trade deadline is going to be 10 times more interesting once players possibly get injured, when teams get some salary cap opened up. We saw obviously how that uh, played out for VGK last year. You know, Patrick Kane is going to be on the block as a very sexy rental and or Jonathan Tave, just to name a couple. And then maybe with some of these other trades that have happened, maybe you're going to have, you know, four or five, six major superstars available as a rental. So I, I can't wait for February. 
Yeah, and Huberto, uh, as you mentioned, is going to. He has an expiring contract, so he'll be a free agent at the end of the season. He was really uh, shocked that he was uh, traded, that he was sent away. Sits down with Florida management, with the front office. Sounds like a VGK. He got McCrimmon because uh, they were talking about an extension one day. Next day, he's uh, shuffled off to Calgary. And uh, the Panthers break up that line of Huberdeau and Barkoff. Uh, Kachuk, uh, Young, has a huge upside, just 24 years old, 42 goals, 62 assists last season. And Huberdeau, though, is a 115-point scorer a season ago. Um, and again, they lose Johnny Cattrall. We'll have to see what happens there. Uh, but at least I think for now, it kind of cools off the fans in Calgary because uh, they were about to riot, I felt. And it wasn't the Blues. I thought for a while that Kachuk might go to the Blues, uh, but their package only included uh, Tarasenko, I think, and Marcus Scandella. And so uh, it turns out uh, to go in that direction. And uh, again, you know, we'll, we'll be seeing a lot of uh, Calgary this upcoming season. I don't know necessarily that they have improved themselves, uh, but I think in this trade, in this deal, I think uh, they have a little bit of an edge uh, with those players, and that was a pretty big package. If VGK were in the hunt, and I believe that they were not, because I didn't see anything that reflected that uh, they even made calls or offers or whatever, what might a package have looked like? Would this have been a trade where you unloaded a Max Pacioretty, perhaps, and you could put together a nice package deal? I mean, if we're only talking players for players and not factoring the VGK cap situation, then, I mean, yeah, they would have taken something involving Pacioretty because they took Johnny Goudreau, obviously. Uh, you have another 100-point player versus Pacioretty and, you know, not 100 points. Um, it would have taken, like, a Pacioretty, a Braswan, and our 2037 draft picks. I don't think we have any draft picks until the year 2037. Um, but in the, the current climate, uh, I think because someone mentioned somewhere along the way, I can't remember if it was on lockdown or uh, another spot in the Twitterverse, so to speak. Um, but I felt maybe a deal like involving Marcheseau, Alec Martinez, and Braswan with the draft pick might have gotten, <clears throat> pardon me, might have gotten close Um but like, why? Why would you? Why would you want to make that deal? You're again trading a, a possibility of a, the core of our future, along with another draft pick wherever we would have put that in there. And then Marchi and Alec Martinez, two amazing character players, right? So that's a trade I would not have felt too good about. And then all of a sudden, now you got uh, Kachuk and Jack Eichel, two very um, outspoken players, to say the least. I'm not. I'm not saying Kachuk would not have been fun, and if this would have happened, or however it would have happened, it would have been very interesting and entertaining. Because I like Kachuk. I like that whole family as far as the way they play the game. They're out there, uh, you know. Just um, you got to be on your toes when when they're out there, and and it doesn't matter who you are when when you're out there with Kachuk, right? He'll he'll start punching you. We saw that with Mark Andre Fleury, right? Now, same breath, we've also seen Kachuk actually get his butt kicked a couple of times. I forgot who it was, but um, I don't know if it was Maroon, actually. or It was a big thumper on one of the teams, got a hold of him, just ragdolled him for a while. So every now and then, you know, people get put in their place. But, yeah, just uh, next hockey season, season six, VGK, and everything that's happening around the Pacific. We'll hit on that a little bit later, obviously. But so many changes. Like, I don't remember this many changes for the last, you know, two or three seasons. So, Maybe just as there's more face time now with the GMs with COVID being uh, 
in the rearview mirror a little bit more. I'll be choose my words carefully, of course, but now that there's a lot more face-to-face contact, now maybe the draft, you mentioned that, Tony, right, with um, uh, the draft happening, all the GMs being face-to-face, and then um, the scouting combine before that. So maybe this is just a result of uh, a lot of pent-up uh, – a lot of pent-up uh, aggression, maybe, is the word to use. They've, the GMs weren't able to do this for the last couple of years. So they're like kids in, the, kids in the candy shop having some fun right now. Yeah, I don't think it's a major surprise that Kachuk wanted out. In 2019, he signed a three-year bridge deal. And this was always his intention, was to leave. And I'm always curious about why that uh, trade uh, for Eichel, uh, Eichel for Kachuk, you know, never happened. Because I thought that that was a pretty uh, fair, you know, and and balanced sort of a trade. And I think uh, Philadelphia at the time, you know, would have probably been uh, the beneficiary more uh, than than Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, it depends on Calgary. I think think, uh, Buffalo would have been more than Calgary. Right. No, I hear what you're saying. Um, it depends on what else would have been required to toss into the deal. I mean, you look at the at the VGK side, Krebs and Tuck were the, the, the major parts of that trade. And that's really two core pieces who have I think they're, they're both younger than than Matthew Kachuk, I believe. So you're looking at a long term and obviously there was um, a draft pick or picks involved. I can't remember the exact trade right now. So I think it came down to the complementary pieces, um, but I, I really want to know what's happening in Calgary. Like I, I get why I get why Kachuk wanted out. There's no doubt, Kachuk. Like you said, two reasons. One, this is he took the three-year bridge deal with the intent on getting out at some point. It happened possibly a year sooner. It seems like. Um, but Johnny Goudreau, like that whole situation, that's so strange. Like it's, I get Goudreau wanted to go back east and wanted to be a little closer to uh, family and be back in the states. I understand that. But his press conference when he was introduced was very coy about that and didn't want to get too into it. And so now the speculation train is just, you know, off the track, so to speak. Obviously, Kachuk is gone. Goudreau or um, uh, Huberdeau is going there now. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of news comes out of Calgary, not just now, but during the season, especially if this next season doesn't go very well. And Calgary all of a sudden becomes, a, you know, becomes a VGK of last year, so to speak, kind of that bubble playoff team. You had a really good photo bomb at William Carlson's wedding this past weekend. I saw that. It was Tuck. Tuck and Eichel were both there, which is pretty interesting. Ryan Reeves had his uh, left foot in a boot. He hurt himself in the softball game. I, I I caught that. So I was talking to my wife, like right after he he was going for a, a catch in the left field stands. He was trying to pull off the the Derek Jeter from the World Series uh, about 15, <laughs> 18 years ago. And he goes in there and like he tried to walk and he actually went down two different times. Like he actually went down to his knees. And I looked at my wife and my kids and said, Ryan Reeves is hurt right now. Like he seriously hurt himself. That was not a a little, you know, I don't know about, God, I hope he didn't fracture his ankle or something crazy like that. But can you imagine the buzz if uh, wherever, because Reeves was someone that that's even talked about possibly being on the move. Um, can you imagine if uh, Reeves cannot start next season due to an injury that he sustained at a charity softball game? Yeah, we hope that that's not the case. No, that, a that, lot of reasons. Yeah, uh, coming yeah, up next. Right? <laughs> <laughs> coming up next, Hockey Canada allegations about junior hockey and sexual assault, including the 2018 uh, team that had VGK's Brett Howden as a team member. We'll talk about that when we return. Right here on Locked On Golden Knights. BetOnline.net is the fastest, the easiest way to check in on all of your sports betting needs. 
Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, for lines, and for games. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, of course, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live games, in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered all along. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening each and every day. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome back from Las Vegas, Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick. And uh, Chris, starting this week, we're down to three shows per week. And so we'll be doing it Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays for all of you uh, folks that have uh, been along with us for those more than 50,000 downloads this year. That's pretty impressive. That's quite impressive. And that, 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 that's mind-boggling. I mean, I know I, I, I probably have been around for all 50,000 of them, but, um, you know, for the few short months I've been here, it's been a ton of fun and uh, just communicating with people, all sorts of new friends and stuff. And I just can't wait for uh, to be back at T-Mobile and uh, Dollar Loan Center in, in just a couple short months now, right? And just talking to people. And they had a few people stop me uh, at the softball game saying they enjoyed the podcast and stuff. So that, you know, that's that's meaningful, right? That's fun. That's exciting. And, you know, keep the interactions coming. And, uh, you know, I'll be in the back of a section 217 come, uh, come October, uh, buying beers. If you tell me you listen to the show, so come on by. Yeah. People stop me at the softball game to kind of moan about their seats. You did pretty well. (laughs) We had some disturbing news uh, over the weekend last week. It surfaced that hockey Canada, Chris, uh, paid off victims of alleged sexual assaults from teams dating back to 2003, the 2003 and the 2018 junior hockey teams. And these cases never reached uh, court because they paid them off. And uh, we only bring this up uh, on this show. Uh, again, it shows a lot about hockey culture, starting in the juniors and what have you, how things are swept under the carpet. And VGK's Brett Howden, uh, he was on that 2018 team. Late last week, he denied any involvement through his agent. He said he had no involvement, no interaction, either verbally or physically, with the complainant. He said that he cooperated uh, with Hockey Canada, with its investigator. He wanted to clear his name. Should VGK, as a follow-up, do its own internal investigation on this matter? And also the NHL, I'm sure he'll be hearing from the National Hockey League. I think what's most important is the the facts come out, whatever they may be. And then if there are if there's more people that need to be accused and investigated, that that's what needs to happen. The, the truth needs to come out as far as VGK getting involved in that. I don't know. Um, I would say VGK is obviously going to be very supportive. You'll probably if it's not out already, probably see a statement. That's basically um, kind of a canned, we we will support and do everything we can to assist in this matter. I think that's the stance VGK needs to take as far as uh, what happened, maybe happened or did not happen up there. There's only a few people that do know. And I hope once there is an an investigation that the truth comes out and then what needs to happen after that needs to happen. Because there's no place for that in sports, in life, in anywhere and just hope uh, there's a the proper healing process for all those involved. And those, if there was 
more to that that happened if these accusations do come to fruition then you hope uh, that's uh, handled obviously uh, throughout uh, the judicial judicial systems uh, for Canada and for the United States yeah and uh, what's disturbing the fact that uh, pretty much they kind of favored the players over the victims and they utilized the national equity fund uh, which is a membership fund uh, to pay off uh, the victims. And so it's it's very disturbing. And it just says a lot to me about maybe uh, some of the perceptions about junior hockey or about hockey, where, you know, a lot of these kids come from entitled uh, families and what have you. Um, of course, hockey is a very rich sport. And I think that a lot of the players probably believe at an early age that they could do whatever they want to. And I just feel as though Hockey Canada, more or less, is enabling a lot of these uh, young men. I think it's going to be a story that develops. We see this in the National Hockey League. Uh, we saw it with the Chicago Blackhawks, and it's quite disturbing. Yeah, Tony, I mean, you hit everything on the head pretty well there. Disturbing is a good word to use, and you never want this to become part of the culture. You never want to... You never want as, you know, a young athlete working your way up because, you know, you got social media, you watch the news, you see what's happening. You don't ever want the culture of, okay, this is part of the process. These things happen somewhere along the way. That's never should be accepted. Um, I know here, and I don't know if this is up in Canada, but like I know as an official out here, we have to go through a safe sport program, uh, which basically outlines it's what to do, what not to do. And if you think something like this could be happening, if you've witnessed something, um, the steps you can take to properly report. And there are signs to watch for and things to listen for in the games and stuff when you're officiating the the kids. And, you know, like I said, there's no place for it. And uh, I certainly hope, um, A, the hope is if there were more things that happened that shouldn't have, that it gets handled the appropriate way. And then I think it's not just about how you handle it when it happens, but I think it's more about preparing to watch for the steps beforehand and stop it from happening in the first place. And, you know, here in the States, you look at safe sport and I'm sure Canada has something similar. And maybe you look at ways to intensifying those types of programs. What's unfortunate is we never would have heard about these allegations from 2003, from 2018, if not for an investigative report from TSN. And so that's what's really disturbing, the fact that they're paying off their victims uh, rather than reporting it. uh, The authorities were not brought in. And it's a real uh, interesting situation there uh, with Hockey Canada. Coming up next, Chris wants to talk about the teams that are the most improved in the Pacific Division. We'll get to that right after this. You're listening to Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. We are on video at Locked On VGK on YouTube and the audio version at Locked On VGK on Twitter. And Chris, uh, just going through this morning, um, the teams that I feel that are the most improved in the Pacific Division, I know that this is something that you wanted to talk about, but one of the teams I think that's flown a little bit under the radar the Seattle Kraken. I think Seattle's done a pretty good job during the offseason, playing a little bit of catch-up with VGK, of course, uh, the last team to come into the league with the Golden Knights uh, prior to uh, the expansion team 
uh, the Seattle Kraken, but they made a big move last week. Oliver Bjorkstrand from Columbus uh, for draft picks, uh, 28 goals, 29 assists. You know, last season, he'll fit in with Jared McCann. They've got a good young roster. And then they also signed the left winger, Andre Barkovsky, uh, during the offseason. I think they've done pretty well. And in watching, you know, in, in reading a lot of the uh, the grades from the offseason, uh, VGK is definitely an F. And, uh, <laughs> and well, the Kraken are up there, I think, you know, among the top teams uh, that made improvements over the course of the offseason. Yeah, I mean, just kind of looking through the Pacific standings from last year and just kind of saying, you know, did the team run in place? Did they improve? Did they go down? I would certainly give Seattle, you know, the improving grade, if that's the right way to approach that, but the moves that they made. And, you know, they they still have draft picks. Obviously, uh, they just got uh, uh, right from the draft and everything. And that's going to be fun to see how that goes, especially when uh, they play games in Montreal. He's going to get booed to high heaven. It's going to be so much fun to watch all that happen. Anaheim kind of seems to be running in place. Now, if the Dodonoff deal would have gone through, that would have been a huge, you know, improvements on top of that the sharks finally were able to move on from brent burns so they shed a lot of contract there and the sharks i think are finally trying to start that rebuild process they still got a lot of big contracts but i don't see the sharks uh, improving at all vancouver their youth is certainly starting to improve as well they had a very nice run for the second half of the season um, I would definitely look for Vancouver just, just to be an improved team, just based on the way the last season finished up Vegas. I mean, yeah, Tony, you, you can't not give them a good, it, it's, it's a bad off season grade. It has to be because patch ready for nothing. I, I certainly, it's a trade that had to happen. We agree on that, but it's unfortunate. What's yeah, that? Don't, the Don for nothing. You the know, Don, like, yeah. The Don for nothing patch ready for nothing trades that had to happen. Unfortunately, so we'll hope that these, the off-season grade doesn't affect the on-season output, I guess you can say. Uh, the Kings, big time improved just simply with the Fiala deal, right? Uh, Dustin Brown retires. Kevin Fiala comes in. A lot of youth there as well, still led by Anze Kopitar and Jonathan Quick, too. And, uh, you know, Quentin Byfield back there. L.A. is going to be tough this year, folks, and they still got some salary cap. I think they still got about 6 or $7 million to work with, depending on how things shake out. Um, Edmonton, definitely, I will give an improved grade. Uh, no more Mike Smith. We'll start there, I believe, where they got um, uh, not Matt Murray, right? Who is the goalie? Uh, they got Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell. Yeah. They got Jack Campbell, and now they got a full season with Evander Kane. Um, if Evander Kane can somewhat behave, take the Dennis Rodman approach maybe, but if he can somewhat behave, I mean, Connor, or um, Evander Kane might score 50 goals next season. Like that's not out of the realm of possibility if he's going to be on that line with Connor McDavid, just looking at what he did in the end of the season and the playoffs. Um, fantasy hockey under the radar, Evander Kane, depending on where you can grab him, folks, that would be a huge potential um, spot to improve your draft equity, if you will. And then Calgary, um, Calgary is an improved situation, I will say. But as far as overall talent, I think they have, We'll, we'll see how it works out. I mean, obviously they lost Goudreau and Kachuk. Um, Huberdeau is the replacement for the two of them. And then we'll see how the other pieces of that trade work out. But definitely LA and Edmonton and Seattle, huge improvements. And as far as where Vegas is going to fit into this, that's um, 
that's the interesting side. I mean, is Vegas again going to be a fringe bubble team or are, you know, some of the players that need to step up and can we stay healthy? That's the other side of that. Um, but I mean, Edmonton, I think is the chalk of the Pacific right now. And then LA and Vegas are probably right next to each other as far as competing for that second and third spot, I think. Yeah. The, uh, the Kings also resigning a lot of pieces like Kempe, uh, Brandon Lemieux, uh, Carl Grundstrom. Uh, yeah, they did a pretty good job. And again, in getting a lot of those players resigned as well as the addition of Kevin Fiala. Uh, VGK signed uh, a little bit under the radar, a number four goalie, Michael Hutchinson from AHL Toronto, 11, 10 and five a season ago. What? What is going on? We need to figure out what's going to happen, uh, starting with the goaltending situation for VGK. This is pretty annoying right now because we know that, you know, two of the goaltenders, uh, your numbers one and two at the start of last season will not be, uh, they shouldn't be ready for the start of the season. And so, yeah, I, I'm pretty, comp- I, I'm perplexed right now. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's a mystery right now. It's only July 25th, so we got, you know, about two and a half months now until this is really going to to matter. And you certainly hope one of Leonard and or Brassois are ready to go come the start of the season, obviously, with Logan Thompson, whether he's going to be uh, the day one starter or if he's going to be backing up one of those two. Um, I wonder if it's Brassois, Logan Thompson to start. Who gets the opening day nod? I mean, it, I think it has to be Logan Thompson, Thompson, don't you? It has to be. It has to be Thompson. And uh, yeah, I'm just not a Brassois fan, you know, uh, Laurent Brassois. And I just I don't know what they're going to do, though, because they don't have to me, they don't have the netminders that are going to win a Stanley Cup. This was what I said at the start of the last season and heading into this upcoming season. Robin Leonard, I still don't believe. I don't know if he's going to be durable enough. It seems as though he, he'll get injured. He's a big goaltender. Takes him a while to get back on his feet, even without you know injuries. I, I'm just very concerned about goaltending for VGK. And to me, that's where I think a lot of their issues uh, are going to stem from this upcoming season. It's very fair, Tony. And I mean, I definitely want VGK to be a playoff team and uh, have cup aspirations, as does everyone watching right now. Um, but I mean, maybe it could be a blessing if VGK does struggle again in season six and Leonard still plays well, right? If Leonard has a good season and, you know, Leonard becomes a rental or something like that, because I don't know if we're going to shed Leonard's contract any other way. I, I would have to think that those options were explored to a degree. Um, but I think at the end of the day, maybe a trade just couldn't be made. I think VGK feels good about Logan Thompson. Um, do they feel good enough for him to carry the mail for an entire season? I don't know if that necessarily is, is, is a fair statement, but I think they feel good about Logan Thompson. Uh, Brassois is a pure backup. He was okay. He had, he was very, you know, better than average, I would say in about the first like third, about the first 40% of the season playing every third or fourth game, then Leonard gets hurt. So he's now basically carrying the mail for about a three week period in there. And that really is when things started to um, kind of unravel a little bit more for VGK. So if Brassois can be a true backup, fine. I think we're okay there, but I would feel much better if it was a healthy Robin Leonard with a healthy and hungry Logan Thompson behind who could push Leonard a little bit harder. I mean, goalies, you know, there's an ego for every goalie out there. If you're the starting goalie, you're the starting goalie. You want to play that, you know, those 50, 55, 60 games, depending on your personal health 
you don't want to be, uh, you know, pulled for anybody. And I don't know if Brassois is necessarily a threat to Robin Leonard to steal the starting nod. We, we saw that last year. He clearly wasn't. But Logan Thompson could be a threat. Uh, the fans enjoy him. The team seems to have a burst of energy when, when Logan is in the nets. And I'm not downing Robin Leonard when I make those statements. It's just pure fact based on what we witnessed last year. I think Robin Leonard has some damage control to do this year as well, as far as the public and perception side of him. Um, it might have been nice to see him at the softball game. It might have been nice to, you know, see him making the rounds, you know, around town doing the Keegan Colasar PR tour. You know, something like that for Robin Leonard could be very good for his personal image, I believe. Um, I think Robin Leonard would be fun to talk to. He's, I, I do enjoy his social media. He is pretty funny at times, I think. Um, but I also think he has a very business-like mentality and he just stays very guarded at times, which could also hurt his uh, PR side, I guess. Yeah, Laurent Brossois, I just remember that Pete DeVore early on as well in his defense wasn't using Brossois in the proper manner. I think he went uh, something like 10 days before he had the start at Detroit. Remember that early in the season? Yeah. And then I think he lost that game. And then the game that really sticks out, uh, stands out on a negative side was the loss to the Philadelphia Flyers who came in. Uh, losing 10 straight, which is uh, that was such a really bad blow for VGK. As it turns out, if you want to point to one of those games that they had to win, should have won, um, especially as it got later into the season. I mean, everything points to that uh, that Philadelphia game and uh, Versois doing his best Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky, of course, uh, to the blocker side to shoot it there and you'll probably score now. We found a little uh, chink in the armor. And then uh, <laughs> and then if you will though, but with uh again with Brassois getting beaten top shelf, I don't know, you know, how he's going to correct uh, some of those flaws. Uh to me like late in the season, I don't know if it was as much due to injury as I think DeBoer and the front office just shut him down. They they, they just they they shot him down. They they just told him to go to the LTIR directly to the LTIO. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. Now, to be fair, though, Brassois did have off-season surgery to fix something, whether it was a maintenance-type surgery or if it was the injury that forced him to LTIR. I guess that's the question we'll never know the answer to. Um, but I do. I am with you, Tony, on the fact that waiting 10, 12 days, I mean, if you only have, if you have a gap in that schedule where there's only going to be three games in a 12-day period, I, I certainly get that. But if you're playing games every other night or every third night, your your backup needs to play every like eight or nine days just to simply stay in rhythm. You can't recreate what happens in practice in the game. You can't re- recreate the atmosphere and the noise and the speed of a game in practice. It's impossible. Uh, you can't re- recreate the emotion that happens. So I think um, I would be curious to look at Cassidy's split, particularly when he had a healthy Tuka Rask versus uh, the various backups that he has had in Boston, and then how he worked it last year with uh, Swayman, and uh, I forgot who the other goalie would have been last year in Boston. So I'm curious how he splits that up. But either way, especially given even if Robin Leonard is healthy to start, let's just say all three goalies are healthy to start the year. I don't care what three, which two of the three are on the opening day roster, but I really think it needs to be basically a two-third, a two-to-three split, two games for the starter, one game for the backup. And do that at least to start the season, at least to start the season and see where things go from there. Uh, I think it's important to manage Robin Leonard's load because, like you said, he's a big body. He's a big body. He is not your conventional goaltender. 
Um, you're not going to see him going to his knees and going left to right quick. And when he goes down, it takes him a while to get up. Um, that's always been his MO, whether he's healthy or not. But in, in Robin's defense, when he first came to Vegas, he was outstanding. He definitely was outstanding uh, in the playoff run. He was outstanding in the end of the regular season, which ultimately is what led to Flurry leaving, unfortunately. But when Robin Leonard is healthy, he can be a goalie that can carry the mail throughout the playoffs. I would argue he even stole some games in the playoffs that year. Um, you know, you look at the situation in, um, uh, with uh, Darcy Kemper in Colorado. You know, we need that's the type of mentality that we need. We need a goalie that cannot lose games, keep us in games, maybe steal a game every now and then, but you know, we're not looking for him to, to be Mark Andre Fleury in season one either. I mean, that'd be nice, but you know, Mark Andre Fleury carried us so much in season one and we need Leonard to do about, you know, a, a third of what, of what um, Fleury did. I think. You know what? You didn't mention Vancouver uh, in the division. Did you? I, don't think, I think I mentioned kind of running and no, I did mention Vancouver. Um, I liked how they finished the last half of the season with the coaching change and everything like that. Yeah. And then, uh, Bruce Boudreau came in there. Right. And then they added uh, Christian Volanen, uh, the defenseman, uh, goalie, Colin Dahlia, Ilya Mikheyev and center Curtis Lazar. Uh, and I think their grades have been pretty stable. I mean, in the C range or whatever, but, uh, I, again, to your point, I think the Kings are going to be a force to be reckoned with in Edmonton. Edmonton now, you know, because uh, we've talked a lot about the goaltending. When they, we just said all they need is a, a good goalie, right? And now Jack Campbell, I think, will be carrying the load there. Um, in I'm not Edmonton. sold that's, that. I'm not sold that that's a good goalie, though. I mean, Toronto moved on from Campbell for the same reason. So uh, I'm not sold. Is it that, an improvement? Um, is it a little bit of an improvement for Mike Smith? I don't think so. I mean, Mike Smith, Mike, listen, Mike Smith, all the crap I gave him. He had a good run. He definitely uh-huh. improved himself. Um, I don't know how much of an improvement it really is, though. I mean, you know, Toronto and Edmonton, our two teams are never going to figure out what to do with a goalie. I think they're never going to figure out what to do with their goalie position. And that's going to be ultimately what might slow him down from being a team like Colorado, you know, I mean, go get Darcy Kemper. I don't know. For sure. Uh, don't forget. Stanley Cup winner. Be... Oh, okay. <laughs> I think, you know, I just can't wait for Michael Hutchinson. See a lot of him this upcoming season for the PGK. Maybe, uh, maybe for the Fort Wayne comments, we'll see. <laughs> no longer Fort Wayne, right? Uh, they moved. Right? Oh yeah. The, 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 uh, the storm, Ghost, ghosts, the ghost, yeah, wherever Savannah, ghost, something, yes, wherever, ghost yeah. pirates, ghost pirates, the ghost pirates. There we yes. go, we got it, we got it, we got it. We're we're still on the okay. ball, folks. Okay. It's Monday. Thank- Cheers. This is coffee. I promise. Yeah, we thank you all for tuning in. Uh, myself and Chris will be back again in a couple of days. Now, uh, this is our little summer break of sorts. Uh, three times a week: Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. From a man, Chris Golick. I'm Tony Cardasco. So long for now. Thank you so much for tuning in to Locked On Golden Knights.